All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're watching Leafs Morning Tape with host Nick Alberga and former NHLer Jay Rosehill. The show starts now. All right. What is good, everybody? It's Friday. Freaky Friday, whatever you want to call it. Nick Alberga and Jay Rosa with you on Leafs Morning Take as we get set for game number two of the season. How are you feeling on this Friday, Rosie? Not bad. A little bored. Nothing much going on right now. So just looking forward to the weekend, my guy. I won't lie. I uh, woke up with a hangover, even though I didn't drink last night, dude. Oh. So so betting is back. You know this. Like, I love betting on hockey. And I had You're my first bad beat of the season last night, dude. I put this out on Twitter. I put three bucks down on a five-team parlay and all shot props. I had Cam Atkinson, Tyler Sagan, Darlene, Ryan O'Reilly's firing pucks to the net in Nashville, and it's Alex Dabrinkit, out of all players, who is my surefire player in my parlay to hit, gets two shots on goal, gets the puck late, doesn't want to shoot the puck, scores late against New Jersey. I would have won 53 bucks. I mean, it's not the end of the world, but like it's the, the satisfaction of getting something correctly in, in betting is is great, and it's the crap feeling when you miss like that. Well, I don't do a lot of those big leg parlays, but it's usually the last one and the most obvious one that ends up bending you over. Hey, dude, uh, it's exactly how I felt. I texted my buddy. I'm like, dude, this might actually hit like this is my my first big parlay of the season. And to have it go down that way where it's Alex to who the guy will shoot in his sleep. He shoots so much. I know it was his debut for Detroit. I know you're playing a puck possession team in New Jersey, but uh, to come out flat the way he did. Gets two shots on goal. I needed a third. It really, really hurt, buddy. But uh, it is Friday, so I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic. Well, that's good. It's just unacceptable from Debrinkat. I think you need to reach out to him and let him know that your $3 bet uh, didn't cash because of him and tell him to get on his game. Dude, the quicker I can get to retirement and away from you, is uh, it, it's a positive in my life. And unfortunately, I'm not getting there anytime soon with the 50 bucks I lost last night. Um, not or not getting last night, although it was like a $3 bet with parlay insurance, by the way. Love that. But you get a chance to watch any of the games last night? I never did. I was busy, busy. What's going on out there? Dude, I don't know. I'm I'm a big fan of offense in this league. It was a, a snore fest last night in the NHL. Like we talked about the overs hitting left and right. And then all of a sudden it's like two nothing hockey across the board. Having said that, the, the game I watched the most was that game, New Jersey. Um, it, Jack Hughes is on a different planet. Like I, I think every time I watch this kid, I'm wowed. And I think more and more of Patrick Kane in his heyday. Like just every time he has really? the puck, everybody stands up. They they know something's going down. 
Yeah, he seems pretty dirty, man. He's in that uh, he's in that new age era of of player, you know, that up and comer where you're like, wow, this guy plays a different style of hockey. And I like those guys. I like how they got a little bit of personality too. I, uh, you know, for some reason, I th- I think of him and Zegris together, like as yeah. the same type of era, same type of dude. Um, probably around that same age group, I imagine they're probably the same age. But yeah, they're up and comers. They're exciting, man. It's it's funny because you think that. Uh, you know, the guys that you watch and the big boys, I mean, watching Crosby the other night playing against Bedard, you realize that the guys you just assume are like, you know, middle of the pack and just NHL age, they're getting older and older. And then these young kids come up and start making a noise and making you just, I guess it means we're getting old when we see a new era Probably. come into the NHL and you're watching it going, wow, what happened? But uh, it's good for the game. There's lots of good, uh, lots of good personalities come in, lots of good players. I love the uh, the late cover of the over in that game, by the way, between New Jersey and Detroit. And then I watched a lot of the uh, Buffalo, New York Rangers games. So like the big story in hockey right now is everybody's going to like this Vegas system from last year. The Rangers are one of those teams. And I just thoroughly enjoy watching the Buffalo Sabres puke all over themselves. Like for all the hype this team continues to get over the last 12 seasons of not making the Stanley Cup playoffs, it, it was beyond belief in this market leading into this season. And that's the way you start the year. You get punted 5-1 on home ice. It was Rick Jenner at night, by the way, and they couldn't get up for that game. Maybe it was more about the Rangers being really, really strong and Peter Laviolette making his debut behind the bench. But like for a team like Buffalo, for a team like Ottawa, there's such aspirations. Two losses uh, in, in the matter they did as well. That's got a sting for those markets. Yeah, I remember throughout the summer, like looking at predictions and hot takes and everyone's just hard on the uh, Buffalo Sabres thinking they're going to break out this year and be the big surprise and be at the top of their division and be challenging. And uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe they will. You can't judge a team on the start, but I always love it because the beginning of the year, I mean, out here, we got the Flames fans and we got the Oilers fans and everyone's kind of judging what we look like off that first game. And there's been some big time blunders, like you say, with those two teams you mentioned, Oilers as well. You know, when there's, it doesn't mean anything at the end of the day, but if you're going to break down hockey and everyone's excited for the opening of the season to see how everyone's put together and see if they make a statement or not. And it's just funny when a lot of the hype teams just crap their pants. At the Leafs Nation 401, where you can subscribe here on YouTube again, at the Leafs Nation 401. If you're watching right now, um, please subscribe. If you haven't done so already, we, uh, we, we intend on bringing the heat all season long here on Leafs Morning Take at the Leafs Nation 401. Search Leafs Morning Take wherever you find your podcast. We've got a special guest coming up in about five minutes. She's a host from the NHL, the NHL Fantasy Nice podcast. She's my co host and a big time Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Uh, Anna Dew is coming up in about five minutes. So we're going to get her thoughts. Obviously, I'm going to pull her on the on the goal song. Like that's the biggest conversation for me right now. I would think uh, she'd have an opinion on it. You know, on what's playing out there, what's hot. New York City living girl would probably be in the know with the latest tunes. And I have a feeling, a little hunch, that she's not overly excited about the pursuit of happiness song that's been hot on everyone's mind. It's in Leafs Nation, but maybe I could be wrong. She might love it. Could be. She's a Gen Z, so that's could be right up her alley. And again, I it was a total banger in 2009 when I was just like in college. But sadly, it's 2023. I won't lie, like a bit of a therapy session last night. I spent the majority of my night, Rosie, um, writing a bit of a piece for the LeafsNation.com, just bitching about the crowd and what we can do. And I don't know if you caught this, but Joe Bowen actually like ripped into the fan base a bit uh, in his broadcast on Wednesday. And rightfully so, like, you know, I had to reference Brandon Belt, who did this for the Blue Jays late in September when it was like really, really quiet at Rogers Center. Do you, do you think it's a good idea if like a player stands up, like if it's an Austin Matthews, what are they going to do? Revolt against the guy? Like maybe just ask for a bit of noise in the building. Yeah, I don't mind it, dude. Put this to put the fans on blast, right? I mean, the the actual passionate ones will be pissed off and they'll be yelling. And if you're, you know, if that reverberates through the fan base and through the building, you know, the guys and girls that aren't standing up and yelling and clapping and getting on their feet when they should might be the odd ones out and they'll look kind of stupid and be forced to do it. But I got no problem with it. They're sitting there quiet. That intro was embarrassing the other night. Um, it was dead quiet announcing your big star players and your accusi- accusations that you've gotten this summer. And you're supposed to make a run to the Stanley Cup. And this is the most hockey crazy town on the planet, apparently. And it is that bloody dead on intros opening night at home against your arch rival for the last hundred years. That was a 
bad look. That's embarrassing. You're supposed to be the hub of hockey. You're supposed I think we may have lost Rosie again. Um, but yeah, well, you know, piggybacking off what he was saying, like I, I really, really agree. Uh, you know, I actually coined this uh, in my article and it's available right now on the leafsnation.com where it should be like a house of pain, Scotiabank Arena. You look at some of the opposition barns around the league, namely Carolina, like they're really, really hard to play in for the opposition. And right now it feels like Scotiabank Arena is like an all-you-can-eat buffet with the finest cuisine from across the world. Like it just... It feels like points night when an opponent walks in, like it's not difficult to play and it's not loud. They're not booing. They're not throwing. Well, I don't want anybody to throw anything, but like it's just a, a bit of a different feel with the Leafs. And it's, it's felt that way since like the Pat Quinn era. Like I remember a day when the crowd was so hostile, even at uh, Air Canada Center at the time, now Scotiabank Arena. But like it's, it's just a bit of a different feel as we have Jay Rose back than it was like the Pat Quinn era. And I was just saying, like, there's some barns in this league and you've played in this league where you go in there as the opposition, as a road team, Rosie, and you're like, shit, like, I'm in one tonight. You like it. It's it's exciting. It's what the show should be. It's called, you know, nickname the show for a reason. It should be these big 20,000 loud atmospheres. I mean, I remember going to Chicago, the United Center, it's loud as hell. You go to Nashville, it's loud as hell. Uh, the Bell Center is loud. And, you know, these are all-purpose venues as well that are set up for concerts and stuff as well. And you pack eighteen to 20,000 and they're screaming. It's bloody loud. So there's no excuse for Toronto to be in that position with their home crowd. It's kind of embarrassing considering what Toronto is and should be. I love this uh, from Mark uh, in the chat. Rosie, are you with Rogers? <laughs> <laughs> no man i don't know it's my it's a computer i think i'm gonna chuck it across the bloody room here soon and it just absolutely goes meltdown crash black screen restart i don't know what's going on we're gonna be talking to the nation network about it though maybe it thinks i'm so ugly that it can't stream me maybe it just gets overwhelmed by your mug and just zaps itself Dude, have you seen these eyebrows, man? They'll destroy a screen but like that's the one thing i've noticed doing like a digital show like the last year and a half technology we rely on it way too much, especially in this era of broadcasting, whereas like I'm traditionally from a, uh, a radio background where I just get in the studio, I press a button. Having said that, at various places I've worked, A, the internet never fucking works. That makes no sense to me. <laughs> you're at a broadcast company and you're broadcasting about sports, the internet better work. And B, like things go right, left and right. So it's not just computers, I'll tell you that. It's not as good as it could be. I mean, this day and age, you shouldn't have to deal with that stuff. You got the best gear and everything, but problems always come. That's one of the deals. People can handle it, I'm sure. Travis Houston writes in, Rosie, get out of your mom's your mom's basement. <laughs> this is my basement. Next thing you know, Rosie's going to drop the mitts with somebody in the chat here. So appreciate everybody at the Leafs Nation 401. Let's bring in today's guest without further ado from NHL.com, the NHL. She is everywhere right now. And she's a big-time Maple Leafs fan. It's uh, Anna Duo. What's going on, Anna? Not much, guys. I have Kojiko, so I'll one-up you with the Rogers talk here right now because I'm at my parents' place. I'm in my parents' basement in Burlington. Uh -huh. So I'm rocking with the Kojiko, so beware right now. Well, sadly, uh, they don't sponsor anything to do with our show, so screw them all is what, <laughs> is what I would profoundly say. But I want to get your opinion, and thank you so much for doing this. I know you got a busy schedule, but like, the fans, like that was honestly my major takeaway, Anna, from the opener was like how quiet that building was. Like I felt like I was watching a funeral on TV. Absolutely. And you see Austin Matthews get the hat trick and everyone just standing up there with no hats to throw. So tough crowd in the lower bowl, but the upper bowl at Scotiabank, it gets fun. So I'll give you that. It's half and half there, but you really wish that some of that energy would trickle down because it's so fun to go to places where maybe they don't have as historic of a franchise. Of course, I'm going to bring up the Carolina Hurricanes on a Leafs show right now, but their barn is insane, guys. Like everyone there is so loud, so active. And this is a place where hockey's so new to Carolina so it'd be nice if the Leafs kind of stepped it up a little bit yeah what well, it's kind of sad when you watch this franchise and it should have the loudest barn in the league bar none and it just doesn't I think that's the business people that's fine it is what it is but a little kick in the ass from one of the players I don't think would hurt anybody if they want to call those fans out they they get called out all the time by those fans when they're not performing so it should go the other way too shouldn't it 
I like that. I like that. A little battle between the players and the fans in Toronto yeah. keeps everyone on their toes. But I'll give them a nod of the hat. They do have good sushi at Scotiabank, which I know we get clowned for all the time. But those are the mm. sushi eating folk in the lower bowl right there. So you're That's pretty true. much the issue is what you're telling us. You're, you're that <laughs> I, I might be a little bit of the issue. I'm not going to lie. I'm at the sushi stall with all of the guys you saw on TV. Well, that's my issue. And again, I'm just as victim as anybody else of this, where it's like I go to a hockey game and I've I've made it sort of a pattern to like go check out the concourse during the game. Like you've seen me at All-Star Weekend. Though I actually watch the events. No, like I'm I'm walking around just like people watching. That's what I do. I saw you like five times, like going between places at All-Star. You were just taking laps around the concourse. I don't think you watched a second of anything that was actually happening on the ice there. It was hilarious. Yeah, just a <laughs> bit of a different feel. But I, I just, in general, and I, I'm glad you brought up Carolina because, again, I've been vent- venting about this pretty much since we started this show. It's like, I want Scotiabank Arena in it to be like a house of pain, right? Like, especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I should credit Gord Stelic, my former co-host with uh, covering the Leafs, for coining that. But he's right. Like, you you look at some barns in the Stanley Cup playoffs, like if the Leafs visit or anybody goes there, it's tough to play in. And Rosie, you can speak to this having played in this league. I don't get the sense that any player in their right mind, even if it's the playoffs, Anna, they show up to Scotiabank Arena, and I think they have to feel pretty damn good about life. Like, it's points night for me. Yeah, I think they're happy that they're on the away team in Scotiabank Arena. I feel like there's only one team that's nervous showing up to that barn, and that's the home team because they're the only team that gets hate on by the fans. But they're passionate about hockey, I guess. In Toronto, we're just so used to it. It's not like the big new thing. And so folks are just not as excited as they are in some of those new markets, which is a good and bad thing. I mean, hockey runs through everyone's blood in this area, and it's just kind of the norm. But you really want to tap into that to make sure it is a tough area for people to play in who are visiting because it's so hard to play in some of these arenas and you got places like Montreal still way harder to play in it's a huge hockey city they love their hockey just as much if a little bit less than Toronto over there in Montreal and it's a tough place to play in so I don't get why Toronto can't be like that it's fun it like goes back to the root of the sport you know even after the stadium series that just happened in Raleigh which was a sold out crowd I was there for that game The next day or the day after, guys, I believe there was a club hockey game, not Division One club hockey game between UNC and NC State. Okay, not big hockey schools at all. They had the entire football stadium like filled with fans once again to watch people play club hockey down in Carolina. That was insane. So I can't imagine something like that happening in Toronto, but I really want it to. That's interesting. And you can't blame the building in Toronto either because I have seen and heard that thing rocking and like the rivets are coming out of the boards and Ponikarovsky looked over at me and he goes, I've never heard it this loud. And it was insane. So it's not about the acoustics. It's not about the building. It's about the fans. They got to get on track. And I wanted to pick your brain a little bit. I've uh, since been following you since I started doing this media stuff and you are everywhere. You do it all. What is it that got you into hockey? How far does that go back? And uh, specifically regarding the Maple Leafs? So I played hockey. I'm from Burlington, Ontario, the greatest place in the GTA. Just a shout out there for Nick. Um, Grew up playing hockey, just like a lot of folks here do. And then I went to school. I was a business major, as a lot of kids who play hockey end up being. And then hurt my knee, couldn't play hockey anymore, realized I hated business and decided to go into sports broadcasting. And it kind of took off from there. But it's great to be working in New York City now and getting that opportunity to kind of cover hockey in the States. It's really fun, but it's really nice to be able to hone in on being from Toronto and using that as my roots because no one does hockey like Toronto, guys. I can't lie. It is still really, really special up here. And it's definitely like the mecca of the NHL. I know there's a debate about that. I really don't think there has to be a debate about that at all. But down in the States, people keep arguing that a little bit, but Toronto is definitely where it's at. So it's nice that I'm from here and can bring that to like New York. How about your, uh, your leaf fandom? Like how far back, like what, what players were on the team back in your era when you started watching Leafs hockey? Oh, like when I started watching, I have no idea. I have like a picture of Matt Sundin in my basement. It's like a framed picture. I asked my parents, I was like, when did we get this picture of Matt's? And they're like, I don't know. It's been in our house like forever. So I can whip that up and put that in the background next time I join you guys. But it's been a while. I remember when I was like actively like, and I have a terrible memory. So this goes to show how bad it is. Phil Kessel was like the guy in Toronto when I was like a kid, which sounds crazy. Nick, look like Nick wincing right now. No, I, I'm saying that because, you know, my co-host was on that team. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. nobody remembers him. <laughs> don't be dating. Don't be aging us too hard. Anna. I know that, that's who I grew up watching. So I grew up watching your team. That was my era, the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
That's awesome. Well, that is funny now. Like we were talking about that before you came on these kids that are playing in the NHL. Now you just kind of assume they're like the same age as you, but when they're 19 yeah. years old, what they watched was not very long ago. And it seems like it seems too insane to see a picture of like a six year old kid. Uh, like I think it was Chris Letang was taking a picture with a kid. Um, I don't know, maybe 2010 that era. And it's like, this kid will never be playing with me, but you know, 10 years go by pretty quick. 13 years and this kid's all of a sudden ready to play in the NHL. It's funny how that comes full circle and makes guys like me feel pretty old. It makes me feel old now too, I swear. I saw like something like almost 200 players in the NHL are born in like the 2000s in the system wow. or something like insane like that, which is crazy to hear about. Even Connor Bedard starting his season against Sidney Crosby, like Bedard was born the year Crosby got drafted. And that's just yeah. so trippy to hear and see all these kids taken off. So they kind of make me feel a little bit old too. I actually coached hockey. And when I coached hockey, one of the kids I coached was like, when were you born? And I was like, oh, I was born in 99. And he goes, yeah, I can tell when people are old if they were born in the 1900s. And I was like, oh, my <laughs> Uh, that was an absolute brutal statement to hit me with. That's I feel tough. like I'm a fossil in that case, like crap. But like, yeah, it's it's for me, like what really hit me um, in my my peak Leafs fandom was like with the Pat Quinn era. And then I like I wish you watched that because that was real Maple Leafs hockey where it was like a war in the Stanley Cup playoffs and Darcy Tucker's fucking nailing people and like Kapanen's getting drilled. Like those were the days where. It was like, I, I would die for the Leafs at that. Maybe it's because I was 15 or 16, but like it was a different era. And again, I think the Leafs are trying to get back to that with the way they play. It'll never be that way again. But like those wars in the playoffs of the Ottawa Senators, I'll always remember those Philadelphia Flyers, Buffalo Sabres. There's one against Carolina. Like it was such a great era to be a Leafs fan, even though they never got over and, and got to the summit. It could happen again, guys. I was actually quite impressed with the Leafs, the way they played last playoffs in the first round. I think that was the first time in a long time we've seen them go into a series where people genuinely lost hope and they were like, the same thing's going to happen again this year. They were playing as the underdogs and I saw some good hockey out of them playing as the underdogs and it got me really excited. Austin Matthews was getting into a couple of tillies, which was something I had not seen from him early on in his career. They're bringing in guys like Bertuzzi, Ryan Reeves. I saw that net get absolutely demolished in Toronto because of Reeves and it's fun to see that and when they play as the underdogs you kind of see that spark come out with the Maple Leafs so I think it's there it could come back it's just tough because they win one series and all of a sudden people are chanting we want Florida they think the Toronto Maple Leafs are doing it again they're planning the parade and then it goes to their heads and then they're the Leafs we all know and not so much love I guess I won't That's lie, great. just to jump in here, I, I was I was part of the problem. So the Leafs win a playoff <laughs> series. I'm on King Well, I'm always on King West, but I'm out there and I'm like, this is borderline embarrassing. The celebration for winning one round, especially when you look at other teams in this league, Anna, who who win rounds every season, it seems. It was giving like major league baseball there, to be honest. I'm not gonna lie. They were like ready to pop the champagne bottles. It was nice to see. I can't remember the last time the Leafs won a playoff series, like barely. Like it didn't happen anywhere near my adulthood. So it was really fun for me to watch. I, I'll buy into it too. I'm not gonna lie. I flew back to Toronto to like cover one of their games just because I was like, you know what? I think it's gonna happen. I gotta be in the building when it happens. Yeah. Did not happen when I was in the building. It happened like the next game, but close enough. I would like to say I brought a little bit of luck i think they deserve to be happy about it but the drastic change from round one to round two was like absolute insanity it was back to like this is their year we're planning the parade everything's good to go and the leafs just don't play well as favorites like if leafs fans want to do this team some justice be as critical as you possibly can Stop be betting they on love them. playing as the underdogs they play so well when people have no faith in them there's a take right there. Be harder on the Leafs. <laughs> I don't know what already. they need, but I think this market's done about everything they can to that organization to try to get them a kick in the ass and get them over the hump. I don't know if you call winning one round over the hump, but it sounds like Toronto <laughs> was selling pretty hard when it finally happened after, what was it, 19 years? Yeah. Yeah, 19. Well, how old was I? I was like five. When it last happened, which is crazy, which is why I like don't remember it. But wow. yeah, it's just the high highs, low lows of playing here because people here love hockey. They don't necessarily like love the Leafs. I feel like just joining that together a little bit would help it out. But you never know. Honestly, you never know. Hockey's one of those games, and I think that's what makes it really special. Is it's not 
one of those like juggernauts will win year after year. It's not like any of the other big four sports. It's really like who plays the best 60 minutes that night. And that's why you see Cinderella stories like the Florida Panthers barely making the postseason and then making it all the way to Stanley Cup final or Vegas making the cup final when everyone had them discounted from the get go. And that's part of what makes hockey great. But it's tough for Leafs fans because they don't get to see that dynasty. I know they want so badly with this core group they have right now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right. So some real concerns, real problems. Uh, we, we need to take your, you're in touch with pop culture on the new goal song, Pursuit of Happiness, and also your opinion on the old goal song. I don't like either of them. Okay. I was one of those folks that was like, thank God they're changing the goal song because I worked for the Leafs for two years, guys, as a preface when I was in uni. So like, I will have like night terrors where I can hear hollow notes, like playing in the background of my nightmares. And that song, like I can't listen to it in peace when it plays anywhere. I get flashbacks from the Leafs first round exits while I was working there. So I was happy they were changing it. Not thrilled with the song that they chose to replace it. I'm not going to lie. Can we do it again? Like, is there a chance that they can change it again this season? Because I don't think any of the guys on the team were too thrilled with it either. Well, they said I, they're going to mix it up. They're yeah. going to mix it up and change it around. So it's not built. It's not written in stone right now. And I read a little press release that says we're going to mix yeah, it up did. for different rivalry games and stuff. I'd like to see some old school 90s stuff come back and see what they do with it. But it doesn't sound like it's written in stone. No, to Literally me, to me, else. it felt, guys, it felt like they scrambled and they put this together on Tuesday and the season started on Wednesday because they were tired of this, the media spin. Like when Elliot Friedman's coming out, like shitting on you, <laughs> it's time. And that's what it truly felt like. They're like, let's go through somebody's um, music playlist. Let's go through their Spotify and pick a song randomly. And that's what they landed on. Pursuit of Happiness, which again, Anna, was a banger back in 2009 when I was at Fanshawe College. It was, but it's still like... I just think it's unfair because Toronto is one of those cities. I've had this conversation with a lot of folks down in the States and I don't know how thrilled they are about my take. I feel like we have like probably the most amount of famous people per capita. Like in terms of how large the city is, we have like stars after stars specifically in music, right? Like everyone big and upcoming. So many of them are from Toronto. You're telling me you couldn't even get them to record like an original song for the Leafs. I feel like all of them would totally do it or you have so many options to choose from because every other person in this like city or right now seems to be on the billboard hot 100 and pursuit of happiness landing on that that's just like that's a tough look that makes too much sense right because i brought this up yesterday i'm like oh they they got the arkells from hamilton they they got bieber they got the weekend like the list sean mendel like there, there are so many big time stars the only logical conclusion i can come to is that these people have they, they're too busy they don't want to do it or the Leafs just haven't been smart enough with this. They want to do it. Justin Bieber like exactly. woke up in the morning and was like teasing Leafs, Leafs Nation with like a post immediately. Although he did say he was excited to hear Hollow Notes tonight. So maybe he's kind of like the reverse jinx. But you're telling me you asked that guy to do anything for the Maple Leafs and he won't do it? I feel like he'd pay to write their goal song. Yeah, it just seems like they're out of touch. And again, people laugh and joke like this is such a big polarizing topic in this market. But it should be pretty simple. Like, even have a poll. Like, I think that the, the thing that makes the most sense is what the Buffalo Sabres do. And Dave Peñota was telling me that they didn't want to do this, but like have a personalized goal song for each player. 
Like, I think that's the biggest thing you can do in a scenario like this. And Rosie, you can speak to it. How about ask the players what they like? Does that make any sense to you, Rosie? Yeah, it's kind of cool. Like do a baseball feel like your walk-up song and everyone kind of got their personal stuff going. It'd be kind of cool. It's not the same as walking to the plate where it's like an intro. Like when you're scoring, you're flying by the bench, you're talking to the guys, which line's coming on and off and stuff. You don't really pay attention to the song. I don't think you're kind of in your own world. But when Hall & Oates is playing, everyone's snapping their fingers. When you score a goal in Toronto for the Leafs, I don't think it should seem like you're at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> I like that. That's What would your goal song be? Now I'm curious. If you could choose one oh, for yourself, what would it be? That's score. the thing. For all the criticism we do, uh, for all the criticism I give, I don't actually have a good one, but it's not my job to do so. There's a million songs out there. You could get a couple interns and someone in the marketing department to sit down, go through all the different songs of sporting events and see which one feels right. Moral of the story, be better. We want a better song. Anna, we'll leave it at that. Thanks so much for doing this today. Have a great weekend. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Anna. You as well. That is the one and only Anna Dua. Make sure to check out the NHL Fantasy Nice podcast. She's my co-host alongside Pete Jensen. For that, twice a week on the NHL platform, wherever you find your podcast, just search um, um, NHL Fantasy Nice. I almost said search Lease Morning Take. You should do that as well. At the Leafs Nation 401. But it is a polarizing debate, Rosie. And again... I put I put this article available right now on the leafsnation.com. Make sure to go check that out where it's like we have to start escalating this thing. And I know it's different in baseball. Like the Brandon Belt thing was different because the fans sort of, in my opinion, were like boycotting because the team was playing like shit, not executing and stuff like that. Like this is different. If Austin Matthews came out today and said, you know what, fans, we need you to be louder. What are they going to do? Turn on the greatest goal scorer of all time in the in the history of this franchise? No. And, you know, if people are like, I'm going to boycott, I'm not going to go. Okay, there's going to be somebody else who steps up and goes to the game. It's a win-win for me. It's not going to hurt anybody. I mean, they're, it's true. Everybody knows it. It's just, the problem is it's it's white collar. Like you talk about Montreal and how, you know, they're so loud and whatnot. Like they've kind of got a little bit more of a blue collar feel to it. Downtown Toronto is very white collar. The tickets prices are out of control. A lot of businesses and companies are buying into the suites and whatnot. And that's kind of at that lower level. Those guys aren't guys to be like throwing beer up in the air when they score and high five and the guy beside them they don't even know they're standing there and going yes man what happened on bay street this evening and that's about what you're gonna get they're not gonna scream and yell and paint their face it's just the way it is but like i said i have seen it absolutely rocking i've heard it i know it can happen so get better to fans you live and die by this team start acting like it i love this uh, travis houston's been on you today rosie can't pick a song he likes because his internet isn't strong enough to get online and listen to one <laughs> <laughs> i have good fiber optic internet it's not internet i think it's this cheap fucking laptop i got so you know what's hilarious is like you really want to jab at somebody chirp their internet dude i go to my parents place my dad like has like a billion different things working in his house. And dad, I hope you're watching right now, but your internet sucks. Like you want to get somebody going, talk about their internet being shit in this era specifically. You know how many like Zoom calls I've done in like the last two to three years and you jab somebody about their internet. They're like, no, it can't be me. Like how, how often do me and you fight about the internet? Yeah, we do quite a bit. Something else at uh, my brother's house and satellite. And we're watching satellite. And I mean, I'm pressing these buttons, trying to <laughs> scroll down. There's like 9,000 channels. I'm like, where's the normal channels? Half of them are black, though. Then we're watching something and it like blacks out. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, oh, it's cloudy out. I'm like, my God, it feels like you're in 1940. But uh, it's kind of sad when you're living a day and age when shooting a signal into space and receiving it back is old school and laughable. Yep, this is a a big debate um, within the Leafs Nation right now. In the Leafs Nation 401 is Ro- Rosie's fiber optics just not up to snuff right now. <laughs> it's not the goddamn internet like I care. <laughs> That's what I got out here. Yeah, no, you're killing it. Um, so Leafs Wild coming up on Saturday. What's it like to play on Hockey Night in Canada? Like I always like to ask players that. Um, a rare opponent to get on a Saturday night, by the way. But Minnesota looked pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, Philip Gustafson, a 41 save shutout. I love this, by the way, and a lot of Panthers media members were tweeting about it. Florida's goals above expected were good, but the only thing I looked at was the two in the Minnesota scoreline and the zero in the Florida scoreline. So can you please break down what that means to me? 
The scoreline, I don't know what it means. The league seems to be up in the air on what's going on. You're seeing 8-1 games and then the tight-checking ones. Depends how the goalies are playing, how many power plays we're looking at. I don't know, but uh, that's probably somewhere you can sneak in on Vegas and kind of get the inside track if you know something about goaltenders. It's it's a hard game out there. I was chirping analytics. The goals above expected for the Panthers said they should have won the game. But last time I checked, they lost the game. So can you explain that? I don't know. I can't explain anything to do with analytics, man. They crunch the numbers and I don't know, with enough data, I guess they think they can predict outcomes of games. But when you're actually in a locker room and playing for a team and you hear someone from the outside crunching numbers and saying how it's going to be, and you think about all the intangibles that are within that team, like, as far as who's healthy and who's not and who's pissed off at the coach and who's getting along and who's getting, you know, nervous because they got bumped up to their line and who there's just so many things that go into it. It's just laughable to think that these little number crunchers are going to predict the outcome of a game. I stay far away from that crap. Lighter juice rates in what's the over under on Rosie's internet cutting next stream. Probably pretty good. It's three days in a row. I'm not happy about it. It's not internet. It's my laptop. It just goes to the black screen of death and it's like literally screeching. And I just have to hold down the power button. It's not fun. It's okay. We'll figure it out. Uh, But looking forward to the Leafs and Wild Rosie coming up on Saturday. As mentioned, you can say this about every team. The Leafs better be ready. Um, I, I, again, we got off track, but like, what's it like playing on a Saturday night in Toronto? That building's going to be dead, maybe a bit louder than than normal. But like, people, you would think some people are going to have some cocktails and actually watch a hockey game. But remains to be seen. Yeah, you'd hope so. Maybe that'll bring some uh, some life to the barn. But Saturday night's different in Toronto. You tend to get you get the good slots, you know. And I mean, I always laughed my ass off because when we go west and play in uh, in Vancouver, we'd play at like four o'clock or whatever so that the people in Toronto could get their normal time slot at hockey night in Canada after supper so they can watch their beloved Leafs. And it's like, you know, forget you Canucks. We're doing what the big boys out in in Toronto want to do. So it's funny that way, but um, you know, when you're on hockey night in Canada, the, the camera teams and the people that are coming in out of the dressing room are always different. You know, that towel behind me under those gloves is a hockey night in Canada interview towel. And it's kind of famous. They all guys always have it around their neck, wiping the sweat off and you walk away with it and keep it. So it's kind of a cool little keepsake. And I just love the tradition of hockey night in Canada. I love when Toronto's playing more so when they're playing Montreal or arrival, it's not exactly the, the hottest date on the calendar this Saturday with uh, the wild coming to town, but nonetheless, there's some big names on that too. And we want to see this team come off for a run. And it's nice that all the hype and hoopla of the opening night has settled down. They got their W and now it's time to, to take another look at it and see if some of these guys can settle down. I'm going to be looking at Bertuzzi, Domi, Nice, those guys, especially here tomorrow night to see what they can bring. Did you get that towel at Goodwill or was it actually given to you after an interview? Buddy, even a broken clock's right twice a day. I sniped on uh, Hockey Night in Canada one day, and I mean, uh, I was the guy to interview. They had to figure out what I had to say. I can't remember if that was my, that might even have been my first game for the Flyers against Toronto. I got uh, interviewed because I scored at the end of the second period. Ended up being the winner, not a big deal, but uh, yeah, I think that's where that came from. Or maybe I just snuck into the broadcast and stole it so I could say it was me. Well, that was my guess. Like, I feel like the production team here at the Nation Network got you a towel from Hockey Night in Canada because I used to work at Sportsnet as well. So it's probably easily accessible. I know some people pull some strings. That's that's what I thought you did. Just st- stolen valor, hey. And we know I, you know, I could. I'm capable of that after lying about going no bucket in my first game, and then <laughs> I'm the one that provides <laughs> picture. No, I, I figured I you were didn't. golfing with the Shens or something, and Braden's like, I have 17 of these. Do you want one? Hartnell actually has that towel hanging from his golf bag, which is pretty boss move, if you ask me. Yeah, it's pretty sick. It's like, you know, you've made it in the National League when you get a Hockey Night in Canada towel. But you're right on, on Minnesota. We were talking off air. They're paying like, what is it, like 14 mil against the cap to have Parisian Suter not play for them. Like that was wild, pun intended, a, a couple of years ago when they decided to like buy those guys out, eh? That's a big number to be playing, guys. I, I remember everything about that. It seems like yesterday they both signed it. It was weird because their owner, I don't even know who he is, but he signed those two guys, both $100 million deals. And at the time, that was not commonplace to have a $100 million contract in the NHL. He signs two of them to it. And then it was like months later, he was bitching and bitching about the high 
contracts in the NHL and the price of pay players and what the payroll is these days. And it's like, you're, you're, you're directly correlated to inflating it with the two contracts you just signed. And lo and behold, they're both bought out right now and they're getting slammed against the cap. I don't understand how you win when you're putting 11 million into the ether in this competitive market. Craig Leopold is his name, by the way, the, uh, the owner of the Minnesota wild, but yeah, I think financially and not even financially, I think it made more sense for Parisian Suter not to be playing on that team. Uh, if they want to go the direction they want to go, they're building around Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Boldy right now. And uh, obviously Jared Spurgeon's banged up their number one defense, but they got some good pieces on that roster as you ski on your screen right now. Ryan Hartman's their one seed. Jewel Eriksson, uh, he got two points last night to kick off his season. So they got some nice pieces on that roster. But just think about that. Like they're paying these guys not to be there. And I think you look right now, Ryan Suter's playing in the league, but he's nowhere close to the guy he was with the, the Nashville Predators. And and Zach Parisi's not officially retired, but he ain't playing right now. Yeah, it's funny how that comes up so quick. I mean, Parisi's getting up there in age two. I think he's uh, yeah. probably same age as me, maybe Crosby that draft year. Um, it's getting up there in age. And I mean, it's also, you sign a $100 million ticket. I don't care what sport you're in. There's always going to be people and maybe a bit of an... In- you know, a little bit of a, a sense of less urgency. I mean, you're set for life. You're probably never going to sign another contract. Obviously, these guys have pride. Obviously, they they have drive. I get that. But when you have that fat contract in your pocket, it's not the same as, you know, for example, a guy in a PTO dying for his career, for his life to try to get a contract. There's there's reason to think there's some complacency in there when you got a eight year, hundred some million dollar contract. It's almost like a, a contract hangover, right? Because like Anna, who we just sat on, she was laughing the other day. We were recording an episode for my podcast. And like last year, I was all over Jack Campbell. I'm like, don't own this guy. He walks his cat. He's going to be a nightmare. And look what happens, right? He was, he, was, he was terrible. But this year, my tune has changed. Notwithstanding the first game, I think Edmonton didn't show up. It's so easy to blame the goalie. He wasn't particularly bad, in my opinion, if you can believe it. But mm. I think contract hangover is a real thing where it's like a player puts pressure on themselves or they they feel too too easy, too good because they got paid. Yeah, and if you look through the different eras of hockey, sometimes, you know, guys get paid for what they've done. Like you do something, prove yourself, then they pay you. And sometimes they lose sight. I think more so this day and age when these younger guys are getting the contracts earlier and earlier than they used to. It's kind of like I'm paying you for what you need to do, for what you're going to do, for what you're capable of doing. And if you're young and sign a big fat ticket and you don't really realize that, it's uh, it's not a good look on anybody. And it, when guys get their big contract and shut it down, and then guys are famous for going hard and having career years on contract years, right? You got a four-year deal. Mm-hmm. You kind of drag your feet along for a couple of years third year whatever and then that fourth year you're just chomping at the bit you're a dog on the bone you come flying out of the gates have a huge year sign another ticket and go back to sleep those there's some guys that are famous for that and it's oh must must be contract year they're at the they're at the uh the linesman trying to chisel extra apples here and there anything they can to get that uh, value up it's greasy no it's funny you say that i was watching the Sens carolina game the other night tavo taravon and this guy's been in a milk carton for like two years contract year suddenly he's healthy picking up points in the opener. You know he's going to be dialed in all season long. He's going to get that contract, and he's going to go off the grid again. But I do think it's a thing. I mean, you played in this league. Um, it would be I'd be curious to, like, for you to take us behind the scenes, like what happens when a contract negotiation takes place. I know you're of different stature in the league, but like the agent gets involved. Like you, you hear, you're hearing trickle down. Like are you hearing right at the last minute the contract's going down? Like how does it work? Yeah, it's a lot of back and forth with your agent. Like um, my last one that I did was uh, I got traded to Philadelphia and then I signed a two year one way. And, you know, it's it's your agent talking to the, you know, assistant GM that there's interest, blah, blah. Okay, well, then we'll move it up to the the big GM. Here's what we're thinking. Here's what we have. They're going to lowball. My agent's going to scoff at it. He's going to call back and he's like, yeah, they're starting off one year, two way deal. And you're like, what the hell? And it's like, don't worry, we'll get it up. And then it's like a, a two year or a one year, one way deal. Okay. Now we're got guaranteed NHL money here. And you're going over terms. Like, let's try to get another year out of it. He's like, ah, I think Holmgren likes you. Let's try to work him a little bit. We'll call back. And then I woke up from my pregame nap. We were in Montreal. I'm getting my suit on phone rings. Hey, Rosie, I got a two year one way on the table at this year money. 
I think it's great. He's, he said, let's just rock and roll. He said, he said, right. They just think Rosie's a flyer and he reminds me of myself. Let's do it. That was Holmgren's last words before we pulled the trigger on, uh, on my contract that I remember putting together, but it's a lot of back and forth on the phone. And honestly, that's what you pay your agent for. It's funny because you'll sign that and then you won't hear from your agent again for a year and a half, or you'll just see the, the, uh, the invoice come in the, in the email. And you're like, what did you do again? Another 20 minutes of work for me. It's, uh, sometimes frustrating giving those guys 3% when you sign a four year deal, they don't do a whole hell of a lot for you for four years. And every year you just ching, ching, send over that money to them, but they're greasy, greasy agents. So some of these guys like know what they're doing. They are legendary negotiators, but like, I'm sure a lot happens behind the scenes, but you're telling me there's not a team working around them. Like they're just rocking in the dough these days. Yeah. They sometimes seem to be in, you know, guys go in when and negotiate their own contracts and it's not, it's hard to believe how no one's done that really all that much before. It's yeah. like, Hey, we can have a conversation about the power play. We can have a conversation about my ice time. We can have a conversation about who I'm playing with. We can have a conversation about how long you want me on the team and what I should be paid. It shouldn't be that difficult. Uh, you sit down and do it, but the agents have kind of got a gamut going where, yeah, there's, there's legal things to go on, but you could pay a guy by the hour to go through this contract. Does it look legit? Is everything in place? Good. I'll sign it. Thanks for your time. Yeah. But I think, I'd be surprised if that wasn't more of a thing in the future as these younger players start to come up and say, you know what? I can deal with my own contract. They got more personality. They don't follow the rules as much as players did in the past. Yeah, I would want every penny, but I I think it's obviously a lot of work, but I could only imagine what it's like to be like McDavid's agent or Matthews's agent. and, And that contract comes across your desk. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm going to Bermuda after this one. The Botano Rappa is presented by Botano.ca. The game starts now. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Here's my play for today. Um, there's just two games in the NHL, which I'm disappointed about. Luckily, I have plans for tonight going for tacos. But uh, I, I like Pittsburgh over Washington. Long time ago, and we talked about this and laughed about this with Anna. Uh, Crosby and Ovechkin was must-see TV. Now it's on Friday night. <laughs> so uh, a lot's changed. It's the Caps opener. I don't expect that team to be particularly good. Um, Pittsburgh's coming off a disappointing loss to Chicago in the season opener. So I like Pittsburgh on the road tonight in Washington. You like that? I don't mind it. It's tough to say what the, what the Penguins are going to be. It's hard to look at that roster and, and see those big boys still there. And, you know, yeah, they're getting a little long in the tooth and, and like we talked about this morning, they're getting older and you don't really realize it. It's like, why aren't these guys like contending right now? But it's, uh, they don't have the pieces around them like they used to, but we can see when, you know, you got the likes of Malkin and Crosby and, you know, you got Carlson on the back end and Latang still there. It's pretty, uh, it's still pretty, there's capabilities there to go far. So I don't mind it. And I don't know. It's just surprising to me that that's not a bigger marketed game. It's still Sid yeah. versus Ovechkin. They are not old washed out players. They're, they're right there and they're amazing to watch. So, I mean, I'll be tuning into that game just because, you know, half the time one of those guys is going to be on the ice doing their thing and they're fantastic to watch. Yeah, they're both chasing history, namely Ovechkin, right? Like we're only a couple yeah. years away from that probably going down with Wayne Gretzky's record. Uh, Corey Parrish writing in, hey Jay, I'm bringing my boys to the Leafs Flames game as always again this year. What is the price to get a picture and an autograph? No, no, Corey. I think Rosie's going to pay you to get that done. <laughs> if you see me, it'll be free of charge. I just don't want to devalue your kid's hockey card by putting my Siggy on it. Dude, that's brutal. Corey's like, I'll be living in Olds next summer with the family, so maybe catch him at Timmy's. I would skinny dip in Rosie's pool, hot tub hey, probably. I'm usually at the local old sports complex coaching hockey, so come up and say hi. Do people recognize you? Do they have any clue who you are? I don't know. Not really. I don't know. When I was in Toronto with my kids, some guy that was about my age came up to me and he he recognized me, but uh, he was just like a hockey fights fan. So who knows? No, I'm, I'm sure like it depends on the market. Like Leafs fans remember you, Flyers fans remember you. But like I always wondered, like Ricard Wallin was just strolling down the street on King West. Did anybody have a fucking clue that guy player like Michael Telkvist? You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, depends how hardcore you are, I guess. But thing with hockey is you got your helmet on stuff like that. You probably don't get recognized as much. But I mean, I remember like walking down Dundas Square with Kessel and he had on socks with flip flops and dragging his feet along the thing. And people would kind of double take him and whatnot. But it's surprising how many people just don't even notice a guy like that. Like there's a star of Toronto. He's the hottest player in Toronto sports and he's walking down Dundas Square and not a lot of people are recognizing him. A couple 
couple double takes and stuff, but no one came up and bothered him or anything like that. So I think people just kind of respect, oh, that's cool if they do even notice, right? No, you know what it was? It's like you look at Kessler, like there's no way that guy's a pro athlete. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that kidding. Had like, a lot, that could have had a lot to do with it too. It was, but again, I always say this on the pod, but like I know um, DJ, BT, and Allen Oakville, who's like really tight with Kess. And he's like, Nick, this guy's a freak. He's good at every sport. He's agile. He's mobile. He's like, it, it's just his body, um, which has been the amazing thing about Kesso. By the way, still not signed. Like, is this guy retiring? Is he going to come on our show and announce his retirement? Like, I got so many questions about what's going on with Kessel after his third Stanley Cup. I know it's a, it's a wonder if he's getting offers for like league men and stuff like that, yeah. just to have, you know, he's still a capable player, obviously, and tons of experience uh, with winning. So you'd think someone would take a stab at him. Maybe he's holding out for a little bit more. I don't know if he'd take league minimum to come to a team and play. I'm not really sure, but interesting yeah. that he's, he's not anywhere. You'd think someone would value him. I think he loves hockey that much that he probably would. And he's got the Ironman streak going as well, but uh, nonetheless, we'll leave it at that. Looking forward to the, the Leafs and wild coming up on Saturday night. What do you have on tap for this weekend? Yeah, it'll be good. Coach a couple hockey games, do a few things and see if I can catch some hockey as well. I'd like to watch uh, Leafs game this weekend. No doubt about it. Sounds like a good plan. So we'll be back at Monday uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern time. We're going to tee up the Leafs and the Chicago Blackhawks. Your boy, Bedsy, Connor Bedard's going to be in town for that one. I love it. We'll have to uh, throw some money on that game in particular because it'll be lots of good watching. We'll put you on the clock for that one. So get set for the bet coming up on Monday. But again, we're getting set for the Leafs and the Wild coming up on Saturday. Many thanks to Anna Dua. Thanks to everybody in the chat as well. You guys are fantastic today, especially Chirping Rosie. I love that kind of action. At the Leafs Nation, 401, that's Jay Rosehill. I'm Nick Alberga. Thanks so much for listening and watching and have a great weekend. Thank you for watching Leafs Morning Take. Hit the subscribe button to never miss a show. And for more, visit theleafsnation.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly, Tilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.